Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. Today's episode is sponsored by my program, Sound Along Phonics, Sing Your Way from Reading to Spelling. I designed Sound Along Phonics because I needed a better way to meet the specific needs of each one of my students. And what I found was the whole group phonics instruction I was doing, while it was necessary, it just wasn't sticky enough. It wasn't translating the way I wanted it to. And students weren't remembering and applying the phonics, um, you know, concepts and phonemes and things that I wanted them to in their reading and spelling and then through to their writing. So I designed Sound Along Phonics in order to help them to improve those skills. And the key component I found was the song that I created. It's the Sound Along Phonics song, and it covers 37 of the common core phonemes. So some of the most uh, common ones that students are going to see and need to learn. And if you actually log on to litcentric.com in the shop tab, you'll find uh, my products page, and that's where Sound Along Phonics is. And you can actually listen to the song. Now, I apologize ahead of time. I am not a singer, and that's unfortunately me singing the song. But at least you'll get a sense of what the song sounds like. And you can also see some of the videos of um, my daughter even sings the song. She learned um, her phonemes that way, too. And so you can see what that looks like and get a better sense of how that song works. But, of course, singing the phonemes isn't enough. It was just a great way for us to practice um, every day, kind of during, like, morning meeting or calendar time, or even when we had a little bit of time, like we are waiting in line for lunch or something. It was a good way to practice that. But beyond that, I needed to know specifically which phonemes my students knew and which ones they weren't familiar with yet. So along with the Sound Along Phonics song, I created an assessment And in the assessment, it tests for all 37 phonemes in isolation, as well as the phonemes in words, because it's not enough for students to recognize a phoneme on its own. They need to be able to recognize and say it correctly when they read real words. And so the assessment does both those things. And then I was able to create a systematic way to introduce, practice, and help students master those phonemes. And we did that in a small group, making and breaking and practicing uh, word routine. And students do that each week, and the groups are flexible because I have some students maybe who knew four out of the five consonant digraphs in the program. And so there was no point for them to practice all the other four with their group if they only needed to practice the one. And so they'd practice that one with their group. And then the following week, they could be in a completely different group with new students who all, again, need a similar phoneme that week. So it was an easy way for me to pull kids in and out, make sure they were getting the practice and the instruction that they needed. And it was easy for me to hold them accountable for what they uh, actually were learning. So when we were spelling together, we were writing together, even in our during guided reading groups and guided writing, I could say, now remember, you've already practiced all those consonant digraphs. So let's apply them now. Check your chart and get going. And that way, students could actually apply what I was teaching them. And in whole group, that's really, really hard to do. So this way I could actually kind of complement the instruction I was already doing and complement some of the curriculum a district was asking me to use. But through the flexible groups and the accountability system I put in, my kids actually learned those things and applied them really successfully. And I saw great gains with my students year after year. I even decided to use this program when I was a reading specialist working with students in K-3. So originally I designed this for younger students, but in K-3, 
my students just like skyrocketed with their phonemes. It was really phenomenal. So I'd love for you to take a look at the program and see if it's a good fit for you and your students and see how it might complement your instruction. In today's episode of Let's Centric Radio, we're going to take a look at everybody's favorite topic, conventions, now specifically punctuation. So of course I say that tongue in cheek. I know punctuation is not your favorite topic, nor is it the favorite topic of your students, but I know that you do love this text. It is a favorite. It's Nuffle Bunny, or if you pronounce it Knuffle Bunny, which I have found out that's how Mo Willems actually pronounces it. Of course, he's the author. And he says on his website that it's pronounced Knuffle Bunny because in Dutch, Knuffle means like to snuggle or hug. And so that makes a lot of sense, you know, why Trixie's little bunny would be called Knuffle Bunny. But if you're like me and you misread it, you know, years ago and pronounced it Nuffle Bunny, and now I can't break the habit of saying Nuffle Bunny. And, uh, but Mo Willems graciously says you can pronounce it however you like. So I actually appreciate that very much. Thank you, Mr. Willems. Um, but one of the reasons I love this book, of course, you know, there's many reasons to love this book, but I was just so captivated by it the first time I heard it years ago. Um, it was in a workshop in our local writing project. And the whole audience of teachers was so excited to learn about this book. And how can you not love Trixie, the little toddler in the book? It's actually Mo Willem's real-life daughter. And the kids just get the biggest kick out of her. They relate to her so much. And, of course, um, any parent or even teacher knows that we relate a lot to Mo Willem's character, the daddy, in the story as well. So one of the things I like to use this book for is to practice punctuation, like I said. And I created a clever way to actually practice that convention with my students that actually makes them want to use and edit punctuation in their writing, which I know is a mini miracle, uh, but it's actually true. So after we take a look at the book today, I'll share with you the bridge chart and the action activity that I designed that goes really well with this book. And actually you can use it with lots of other books too. And it actually got my students excited about punctuation. So without further ado, let's take a look at today's text, Nuffle Bunny. Not so long ago, before she could even speak words, Trixie went on an errand with her daddy. And if you've seen this book before, you know how great the illustrations are because of course it's Mo Willems and his illustrations are fantastic, but it's a really cool kind of mixed media use. And this is one of the reasons I believe why it's a Caldecott honor book because you don't see illustrations like this very often in children's work. So he's got some black and white photographs of his neighborhood in Brooklyn where he lives. And then he created the characters, basically his family members, and he painted them directly onto um, you know, the photographs. And so they kind of, these cartoon characters sort of live in this real life world. Trixie and her daddy went down the block, through the park, past the school, and into the laundromat. Have you joined Litcentric's email list yet? It's an easy way to stay up to date on Litcentric radio episodes and get free materials you won't find anywhere else. Just join at litcentric.com on the homepage and you'll see a little link for becoming a Litcentric insider. I promise I won't smother your inbox. All right, so in today's chart, there's kind of a lot going on in this chart today. There are lots of images, um, there's a lot of text, 
And uh, for those reasons, you may want to use bigger paper like butcher paper instead of regular paper from a chart pad. So I suggest maybe doing a little bit bigger. Um, also, I have all the materials uh, that you'll need to create this chart already ready to go uh, to print onto sticky notes and to create this chart quickly and efficiently. Um, and that's located at litcentric.com in the shop tab. That'll take you to um, my online store. And I have a Litcentric radio area there that has all the lessons from every single episode, season one, all the ones coming up here for season two, and all the lessons, you know, into the future until Litcentric radio, you know, implodes. So um, if you make that purchase, it's a one-time purchase and you get the growing bundle of lessons. Um, and this lesson again is in there and it has an image uh, picture in there of what the finished chart looks like and all the materials you can print easily to create the chart with your students. But for now, I'll explain what the chart looks like and kind of how it works. So I mentioned we're going to be doing an action activity afterwards. That's going to be um, our final column. So I'm going to pause and not talk about that column for the moment and just focus on the first three columns because uh, the action activity will make more sense when I explain it at the end. Okay. So the first three columns we're focusing on with students to build this chart, they're called punctuation, purpose, and example. Okay. So in the punctuation column, uh, we're going to be focusing on one particular punctuation mark at a time. In the purpose column, we define uh, why we use that mark, what's it for. And then in the example column, we look through the book and we find an example of where Mo Willems has used that mark and we write that down on our chart. So it's a really kind of interactive situation. Some of it is the teacher giving direction to students and other parts of students actively helping the teacher to find the information to add to the chart. Okay. So in this case, I'll tell you the six uh, punctuation marks that we focus on from Nuffle Bunny. We have period, comma, quotation marks, ellipsis, uh, exclamation point, and question mark. Okay. So in case you don't know, an ellipsis is that little dot, dot, dot that we see at the end of like uh, a sentence or phrase sometimes. Um, and uh, he uses those a lot in this book, and that's actually part of the writing task that he asks students to do. So, um, but most of our students, a lot of them have seen that before. They may not know what it's called, uh, but a lot of our students have experience with a lot of these other uh, punctuation marks, even if they don't really know the purpose behind them. So um, to build this chart, I would do uh, one punctuation mark at a time and build it kind of from left to right across the column. So I'd introduce the period and on, on my chart, I actually have the image of a period and then the word period. And then I tell them the purpose of the period is to show readers that it's the end of the sentence or the idea that the author is trying to share. Okay, so I add that to the chart. And then we flip through the book together and find a point where Mo Willems has used a period. So I think the part, you know, where they walked past, back past the school, you know, on the way home. So we would write that sentence out and then, you know, show exactly where that period is and relate that again back to the purpose. Why did he put that period there to show the end of the sentence or the idea? Okay. Then we go to the next row. Now we're going to talk about commas. So I put the picture of the comma and the word comma, and I tell them it's to show readers when to pause because more information is on the way, right? More information is coming. So it's not the end of the idea anymore, right? There's actually still idea to come. So again, we go through the book and find an example of that. Now in this text, Mo Willems um, usually uses uh, commas in a series to show kind of a list-like, you know, kind of idea. 
So um, I will focus on that specifically um, for this text. But of course, we know commas can be used in different ways in different texts. So I go up through the chart, doing that for each punctuation mark, telling its purpose, and then having students help me locate an example in the book. And there's lots of examples. So you can just put one example from the book if you want. You can add multiple examples if your students want to do that. Depends kind of on how much time you have and how valuable you think that is for your kids. So once you've built that chart with those six uh, punctuation marks and all that information, the last column I mentioned that we were holding off on, that's the action column. Now, this column gives students a direction of an action I want them to do with their body, so a movement to make that corresponds with a particular punctuation mark. Now, the reason I'm going to build this into the chart is that for the activity I'm going to do with students, we're going to read the book again, and I'm going to read it to them. They're not going to see the pictures this time. They're not going to see any of the words or punctuation marks. They're only going to listen to it. And I have students, everyone stands up and we just spread out around the room and I tell them, you're going to be walking around the room. So you need to make sure that you always have enough space for yourself when you're not in someone else's space. So that means you're going to have to, you know, quickly change directions sometimes and things like that. But you're not to bother anyone else. You're just supposed to carefully listen. And I've done this with really young students, you know, like five-year-olds. And they get so into it and it's so quiet because they don't want to miss a thing. They have to listen very carefully to the words that I'm saying or the reading I'm doing from the book. So what we do is I start reading the book and as a punctuation mark comes up, like for example, that first one, the period, right? As the period comes up, I overemphasize my voice to show, you know, even a little bit with my body, you know, to show like, oh, this is the end of the idea. Like make it really sound final. When they hear that sound, their job is to hop. Okay, so I add that to the chart. If you think, if you sense that there's a period, you sense that there's this final, you know, finality to the sentence or the idea, then, then take a moment and do a little hop. Okay, now with a comma, I want students, when they notice that I've paused, but they can tell it's not the end of the sentence, I want them to kind of dip down, just kind of, you know, bend down on your knee or kind of do a little squat sort of a thing. Okay, so dip down and then they're going to come back up just to show like, oh, we got to pause a little bit there. Okay, when students hear quotation marks, of course, it's the dialogue, right? When a character's talking, they can usually tell. So they hear quotation marks, they're supposed to stop and kind of cup their hands around their mouth and pretend they're talking or shouting. Okay, if there's an ellipsis, which is really tricky to hear sometimes that dot, 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 it often, students will confuse it with a comma, and that's perfectly okay. I'm not that worried about it. I just want them to note, you know, that it's not a period, that there's something going on there. If they um, know that it's ellipsis, then they have to tiptoe, like dot, 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 tiptoe on their feet. When they hear an exclamation point, which of course I'm overemphasizing when I read, I'm going to shout it out, right? I want them to hop again, because remember, an exclamation point is kind of like a period. It's uh, the final part of the sentence. But I want them to hop and clap to make kind of a loud noise with it to show that's a little more exciting than just a regular period. And then the question mark is um, I'm going to ask students to kind of bend down and then rise up again, kind of like bring their arms up, because I, I want them to remember that when you read a question, your voice rises up at the end. And so that's one of the ways the reader knows that they're reading it correctly. And so that's what I'm going to ask them to do when they sense that there's a question mark. Like when the mom says, where's Nuffle Bunny? Right? I want them to recognize, oh, that's a question. I have to read that a certain way. There's something being communicated there. So I recognize that that's a moment for um, an, a question mark. 
So hopefully that makes sense what I'm asking students to do. On my um, lesson that you can download, I have um, little kind of clip art guys and the words to show students exactly what those actions are. And you can practice each of them with students. And then just have fun reading the book aloud and have them really do some concentrated listening and trying to determine what actions they should take. Um, and who cares if they're wrong, right? It's really not a big deal. It's just really training their ear and getting the expectation that, oh, there's punctuation here and I'm going to understand the purpose behind it. And so by moving around and doing something more physical with it instead of just, you know, drill and kill uh, worksheets or something, practice putting periods at the end of sentences, we know that doesn't work effectively. It just doesn't. If it did, all of our kids would punctuate everything perfectly, but they don't. So we have to find other ways to kind of get them to um, to use these skills more effectively. And not only will this help them when they go to write their own pieces and punctuate them, it will help them with their reading fluency because they'll be using the punctuation effectively to actually understand the author's message. This activity is so much fun. And my students actually, once you finish the book, they'll ask you to immediately read it again because they want to try and see if they could do a little bit better and hear it again. So I encourage you, if they ask for more, do it again, do it a couple of times. It doesn't take long to read the book, especially if you're not looking at the pictures. But then you might grab any other book off your bookshelf and say, hey, let's try it with this book that we read last week, right? And then see if they can determine some of those, um, some of those punctuation marks that, that um, need to be in there. And feel free to correct kids. You know, if there's a question mark and only two kids get it and the rest of them missed it, just say, oh, that was an opportunity. That was a question mark. Let me read it again. Show me what to do with a question mark, right? Just correct them and just make it fun. It's a very low risk activity, um, but it's one that your students will actually ask you to do over and over again. And, you know, you got five minutes before lunch or something, or, you know, you're early to the assembly or something. This is an activity you can do anytime, anywhere. It's a lot of fun. I'm so excited to support you this school year. I love these books so much. I hope that shines through. And I'd love to hear about the books that you'd like to see featured on the show. You can find me, um, Litcentric is on Facebook. There's a Facebook group. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I have Pinterest pages. You can find information there. And of course, you can always reach me at litcentric.com. Let me know if there's a book or um, kind of a teaching idea that you'd like to see featured on the show. And if you have any other literacy questions, I'm here for you and I hope I can help you out. We'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.